This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Academy Show here on the Blood Red channel as we look back on the end of the season. I'm Guy Clark, Matt Addison alongside me. Last time we were speaking, we were looking forward to the FA Youth Cup final. Unfortunately, Liverpool didn't come away with the cup on that occasion, but we've still plenty to get through. We'll have a bit of a look back on that. We'll talk through the campaigns for both the under-23s and the under-18s, as well as handing out our awards for each position and looking ahead even towards next season. As I say, Matt Addison is here with me. And uh, Matt, the FA Youth Cup, we had such expectations for it. It didn't quite go to plan in the end. No, not quite. It probably wasn't the best performance. Well, it definitely wasn't the best performance we've seen from them, to be perfectly honest. And and Liverpool didn't quite do themselves justice in terms of the result. I thought, I mean, they they went 2-0 down within about 12 or 13 minutes. But after that, they did kind of improve and, and pick up. But it's just a little bit too late. I think the fact that Aston Villa had a crowd in there, there was about 4,700 Villa fans in there cheering their players on. And I think we always thought that that might count against Liverpool to an extent. And obviously Villa have one or two exceptional young players as well. So it was, uh, yeah, it was one of those, I think 2-1 probably was just about right. I think Villa basically just kept Liverpool at arm's length for the majority of that game. And yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate. It's been a good run through to the final, but the fact that they couldn't quite get over the line and, and get that trophy in the cabinet, it's, it's a bit of a shame, but uh, yeah, I'm sure all of the Liverpool players will have learnt quite a lot from that nonetheless. Yeah, no, definitely. There are a number of standout performers from Aston Villa as well, and even Liverpool, though. But it, I suppose even looking, trying to get sort of positives from it, Liverpool went into the game. We'd spoken about the embarrassment of riches at the top end of the pitch, and someone like Mikelem Fra- Fraundorf was on the bench. He came on in the game, and Kai Gordon, of course, was cup-tied. So we'll get on to more about him later, but it does show that this is still, nonetheless, an exciting crop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as I say, this particular game didn't really, you know, show everything. I'm sure a few people who maybe haven't watched a great deal of of the youth teams this season maybe watched this one with it being a final, with it being on television over in the UK. And I think it it probably just didn't quite do justice what they've done this season. They've been much more, uh, much more clinical. Certainly, there was Matthias Musialovsky, Max Bolton missed a couple of chances, a couple of big ones really that they put over the bar that, that probably on another day they could have done a lot better with and I think that'll be the, the disappointment they did create one or two chances but you never felt really like they were putting Aston Villa under a sustained period of pressure so it was uh, it was one of those games I think we've seen Liverpool play a lot better but as you say at the same time the depth the quality that we've seen across the course of this season is far more important than just that one-off occasion so plenty of positives to be taken I'm sure you know next season Liverpool will go again try and if they can get a, a decent draw in the early rounds try and, and go again and, and get to the final again and I'm sure a few of these players that played in in this particular season and, and this edition of it will play again for that same team next season. So it's it's an opportunity for them certainly to to bounce back. But I'm sure they would have wanted to to get that done this season. But as it is, it's 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 just one of those things you have to learn that as a footballer. And if that's one of the the lessons that these youngsters can can take from it, so be it. That's how it is. Yeah, and I suppose that goes academy-wide, really, what you were just mentioning there in terms of them being a young squad. and A few of them will get a chance to go again. Actually, it's kind of been the remit for the academy this year, hasn't it? That even the under-23s, a lot of the time, have been supplemented by young players rather than 
older players dropping down to be able to play in games. It's actually been sort of the reverse for Liverpool. And, and this year, the bumps and bruises suffered along the way in any competition will actually only serve to add to that experience, which is so key for them anyway. Yeah, 100%. We're going to come on and speak about the, the under-23s and, and a couple of players who've who've stepped up into that category. And you, know, you, you look at them and there's been sort of 17, 18-year-olds. Kyde Gordon stepped up. He's, I think, only 16 still. He scored his first goal for the under-23s on the last game of this season. So if you're looking at those sorts of age, age players stepping up to, to the under-23s, I think that's sort of on two fronts really impressive. I think on obviously the, the fact that they are so young and they've stepped up is testament to the talent and the ability that they've got, but it's also a testament to Jurgen Klopp putting some of the under-23s on the bench for first-team matches. And again, that's partly because of, of injuries and, and certain things that have forced his hand. But again, it's also because of the quality of the crop of players coming through. It means that everybody is stepping up. If Jurgen Klopp wants say, Jake Kane and, and Leighton Clarkson to step up, that means that Tyler Morton can step up from the 18s to the 23s. So it's a knock-on effect. And, you know, obviously we know Jürgen Klopp and, and Pep Linders and all of the first-team staff, Vito Matos as well, they're all big fans of, of these players who are, are stepping up. They're training, you know, with lots of the under-23s on a regular basis. And, of course, we've said it plenty of times before, that only becomes easier now that they're all on one site working together. It's it's much easier for that fluidity to, to take place. So, I think even if the level of, of players was to drop over the next few years, which I'm not suggesting for a, a second that it will do, but it's particularly higher at this moment in time, even if that was to drop off a little bit, I think we'll still see this kind of thing happening in the next sort of five or ten years as well. Yeah, no, definitely. In terms of looking ahead then towards next season and taking those experiences on, I know the UEFA Youth League was something we missed this campaign that certainly looking forward to having that back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not the, the most important thing in terms of getting into the Champions League for Liverpool's senior team, but it's certainly an important knock-on effect that they're obviously youth teams, the, the under-19s, as it will be, obviously slightly in between the 18s and the 23s. It's more of a, a European thing to, to have that age group, but Liverpool will have, if this competition goes ahead as we expect it to next season, obviously cancelled this season because of the pandemic and, and travelling issues and things like that. But if this does happen next season, I think it could be really important. I think it's been something that we've really missed this season. I think it's almost a, a big part of, of the Champions League experience when you see you know, the, the, the senior team going off and, and playing, as we saw, you know, the season before last against Salzburg and, and teams like that. To have the youth team playing in these matches in the afternoon, then the senior team, it, it just adds a little bit more, I think, to, to the European occasion. So it's an important competition. Hopefully it does come back next season. There's no guarantee as we speak at the moment that it will do. We don't quite know, you know, how easy it's going to be to, to travel uh, for these teams and, and that sort of thing. So, a decision will have to be made on that. But fingers crossed, Liverpool obviously are in the Champions League. Hopefully they can be in the, the UEFA Youth League as well. Yeah, and also, as you were sort of saying, the impact it even has on the the, the players involved as well. As we say, this year it, it didn't go ahead, but certainly the previous season, both Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott really excelled in it. And not even just Liverpool, a number of clubs have used the competition to sort of really develop and bring players on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Andreas Christensen and, and Mason Mount this season were the first ever players to win the UEFA Youth League when they were younger and then go on and win the Champions League. So it's an important competition for, for lots of, of players across the across the, the European um, sort of fixtures and, and different teams. So it's, it's one of those that I think that there is a, a real tangible benefit to it. It's a relatively new competition in terms of the format and, and that sort of thing. I think 
from memory, I think it was around about 2013 that it came in. So we're starting to, to sort of see the, the benefits of that. And obviously, as you say, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, those players have sort of benefited from that. This group of players now have kind of missed out a little bit on that. I think for, say, Jake Kane, Leighton Clarkson, whichever one wasn't on the bench, they would have played in this. You think of someone like Tyler Morton as well. I mean, he's sort of put down similar numbers this season to what Curtis Jones had in his final season with the academy. But he's obviously not been able to, to take that into Europe as well. And that's just a, a slightly different challenge. It's different sort of rhythm in terms of, of when you play, you're traveling, all of that sort of thing. It's all important things off the pitch as much as on the pitch that you have to get used to to, to play for Liverpool. So, yeah, it was uh, an important miss for them this season. Fingers crossed it's back next season and we get to, to see these youngsters play in that competition as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Before we then move on and get to our sort of end of season awards and also our one to watch even heading into next season, one thing I want to talk to you about is transfers. It dominates at first team level. So at academy level, we best talk about it as well. And over the weekend, there was a Ghanaian wonder kid who was certainly heavily linked with a move to Liverpool. Obviously at the Echo, we understand that though to not be the case. Yeah, Ian Doyle looked into it and apparently that is not the case. I mean, it was one of those that kind of makes a little bit of sense in terms of it being a name that, you know, people who've watched him before suggest is one of the best talents and, and that sort of thing. And I think people get very excited very quickly about these players, despite having never seen them or even heard of them until about two or three days ago. So it's one of those that I can understand people's excitement. We understand that it's not going to, to take place. Liverpool are not pursuing it at this moment in time, but we'll see. Maybe they could revisit that in the future. Certainly, I think one of the big reasons they wouldn't be interested at this moment in time is that he's under 18, so he therefore wouldn't qualify for a work permit at this moment anyway. So possibly if he went somewhere else, Liverpool could keep track of him if they were indeed tracking him to begin with, that is. And hopefully, you know, maybe we can see similar sort of things moving forward. But in terms of that individual player, um, Isahaku, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, that that's not going to happen. It, it, it's one of those that, again, I think people have got very excited very quickly and the echo has had to, to quash it. But uh, yeah, that is the case at the moment that Liverpool are, are not actively pursuing that one. Yeah, Fatou Abdul Isahaku, the uh, Ghanaian youngster who, yeah, as you say, was heavily on Sunday night, I think it was, being linked with a move to Liverpool. The echo understanding, though, that that isn't going to be the case. But it is an interesting one, isn't it? It's all about, as you said before, the work permit and Brexit. And Liverpool, in fact, already have looked to move ahead of that, didn't they, in January? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, the, the move for, for Stefan Basisic, I think is again how you pronounce it. Testing my uh, pronunciations, aren't we, today? But uh, yeah, he came in just before that deadline. They wanted to get that deal done. I think if Brexit wasn't happening and, and there wasn't the, the sort of change in regulations, they probably would have just waited until this summer to get that done, as they did last summer with Matthias Musielowski and Malcolm Fraundorf. So it's all sort of these young players that, that Liverpool tend to target. They want to get them in whilst they're very cheap. You can develop them, you can mould them into the style of play that you want, but it, it's going to be much more difficult, I think, this summer. It's, it's going to be a really sort of interesting thing to, to see how they deal with those challenges. As I say, obviously, Bacicic came in from La Liga, from Spain. He's played there. He's sort of come in and, and worked with Liverpool's under-16s team, mainly stepped up and, and was on the bench for the 18s a couple of times. But again, it's just one of those that they kind of had to, to do it a little bit sooner than probably what they would have liked in an ideal world. So, yeah, the, the rules are going to make it difficult. I think it's going to be interesting, as we've sort of reported on a, a fair few times, this Redbird deal. They have links with Toulouse in France. The rules, again, obviously, 
obviously with them uh, still being in the European Union, uh, slightly different to what it would be bringing the players here. Maybe they could go over to Toulouse, maybe be there and then come to Liverpool after that. That might be a way around it. I think we've certainly sort of seen that with the Red Bull group, with Manchester City and the, the City football group. It's certainly something to, to keep an eye on. So I think Liverpool will try and find a way around this because you certainly wouldn't want to, to lose out on Mosilovsky and, and Fraundorf or maybe not miss out on them, but have to wait two or three years by which time the price has you know, infinitely gone up. So I think it, it's one of those that Liverpool will be trying internally to, to sort of find a way around. And I suppose this summer is going to be the first sort of transfer window that we see that happening. I think there might be a couple of these deals. It might be worth you know keeping an eye, for example, on what Toulouse do in the transfer market because if they do start signing a few of these young players, I think certainly a few of them might be with the, a view to, to moving to Liverpool in the future. Yeah, no, definitely. It will very much be interesting to keep an eye on that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get into then sort of the bulk of what we're going to do today. Our end of season awards here on the Academy Show. We've got a fair few categories. We've got a, a category for kind of each position and then a player of the year for both the under-23s and the under-18s. So we'll start sort of... Uh, in the natural place, in goal, there's enough goalkeepers kicking around the academy, Matt. It always seems that there are a number. A few have moved on through the course of the campaign. But who are the contenders and who do you think the, the goalkeeper of the year has been then in the academy? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting with this one. It's probably the, the trickiest one to do, actually. I've tried to, to keep each of the categories with a, a different winner in each of them. So there's a different name for, for each of them. But the goalkeeper is, is really quite difficult. I mean, as you say, there's there's lots of goalkeepers in there. There's been a few who moved on last summer. Danny Atherton that I spoke to uh, a few weeks ago was one of them. Fabian Mrozek, one of the, the Polish goalkeepers, I think, came in last summer. He sort of replaced him. And there's always going to be, obviously, two goalkeepers in each category. But then there's kind of ones that will go up and, and train with the first team. There's always seemingly a lot of goalkeepers to pick from. So Jakob Wojcinski was maybe one of those that, that people will know, um, had a, a decent season, but again, maybe didn't play for, for a couple of weeks um, or a couple of months really in the, the middle of the season. So hasn't maybe got the, the same numbers that you might expect him to have. Uh, Marcelo Pitaluga is one that, again, I think on Liverpool's website, isn't even classed as an a, a, as an academy goalkeeper, he's classed as a first-team goalkeeper. Uh, that sort of shows how highly they rate him. But again, he's just not played enough for the academy teams. He played once or twice, but generally his role is to, to be with the first team, train with Alisson and, and Adrian and, and Quivin Kelleher. So it was difficult to, to go from from there to, to sort of pick out one. I think Peter Luger is the one to watch out of all of them. He's the one that Liverpool have the highest hopes for, rightly so. And He's the one that you would say in terms of, of quality. But in the end, in terms of, of the Academy Awards, I went for, for Harvey Davis in the end. Again, he's another one that's trained a lot with the first team. He's one that has been mistaken for, for Alisson from behind in, in first team training a fair few times. He's played, again, not a huge amount of Academy football, but the times that he has played, he, he's impressed. He's played in, in all of the FA Youth Cup games, which I think was you know a, a nice little run for them to get you know, through that competition to come up against some difficult teams. And again, the fact that he's the one that's been stepping up when needed, for example, when Keller has been injured, he's been the one to, to step up to first team training. Yeah, I went for, for Harvey Davis in the end. Yeah, I know when we get the, the training pictures in, it's always a funny one trying to definitely work out that it is Alisson or whether it is actually Harvey Davis there. But anyway, we'll move on. And, and now into the defence and to a lad who... At the end of the season, there was a bit of a surprise around. has been called up for 
full international recognition and I suppose deservedly so given he's going to be our defender of the year yeah absolutely still 17 Connor Bradley playing for the under 23s quite regularly there's been a couple of injuries obviously Nico Williams has stepped up and is not really involved with the academy teams anymore that left a gap for, for him and yeah he made his, his international debut last week for, for Northern Ireland coming on which again was was a little bit of a, a surprise obviously with him being so young but Again, I think it's it's recognition of, of the quality that he has. I mean, I've seen him plenty of times. He, he stood out and he's one of those that you kind of forget that he's as young as he is. You just sort of assume that he's the same age as his peers, but he's not. He's very much still a, a youngster. Would expect him to be with the under-18s, but has been pretty much all season with the under-23s. And he's very, very good defensively, good going forward as well. He's just a, a perfect balance, really, between being able to, to do his job, but also to, to do the more attacking, creative side of, of things as well. So, yeah, certainly, I think, one to watch moving forward. Be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, again, obviously, Nico Williams has stepped up. Trent Alexander-Arnold still very young. There's not an obvious path to the first team, but I think maybe next season or, or the season after, probably the, the latter half of, of next season, rather than the first half, we might see him go out on loan and I'm sure there'll be plenty of, of Championship League One clubs who'd be interested because whenever I've seen him he's been really dependable really solid at the back but can pick a pass and, and got a good cross on him as well Ian Barraclough the Northern Ireland manager very very complimentary of him when he called him up into the senior squad so that bodes well for him into midfield then a player who's already got a mention and another real youngster who's taken like a uh, duck to water to the under 23s this year yeah, I mean, anybody who's listened to the podcast before will know Tyler Morton is a favourite of mine, one of those players that I just love in terms of, of being able to, again, not just do his own job really well, but to do other things as well. He's got a lot of numbers. He scored um, 10 goals, assisted seven this season in 25, which is from midfield. He's not necessarily a number 10, a real creator. He plays slightly deeper. He can play as a holding midfielder, but generally tends to, to play as a, a number eight off either the left or the right. And to get those sorts of, of numbers, I think, obviously across the 18s and the 23s, he kind of stepped up to the 23s in the second half of the season, but didn't really seem to you know, struggle in terms of, of adapting. His numbers stayed the same. He kept scoring goals, kept you know doing the, the free kicks, the set pieces, all the rest of it. Stepped up really with no problems at all. And obviously stepped back down for the FA Youth Cup, was a key player in that run, was one of the, the leaders in that sort of team. You think of, of the last time Liverpool got to the final a couple of years ago, you think of Clarkson and Kane, what they've done since. I think, you know, we could see Tyler Morton do a similar sort of thing because he's certainly got that quality. He's got the ability. He's shown he's got the, the leadership. He can do the set pieces. He's just a really well-rounded midfielder who's got, you know, really good numbers this season as well, which, you know, you can't really do much more than that at that age group to be putting in those numbers, those performances on a regular basis. As long as he stays injury free, I think we could see a lot, lot more of him next season. And I'm sure he'll be one of those that steps up sooner or later to, to sort of first team training and, and that sort of thing as well. And he's also a player though, isn't he? Who has in that category of midfield players, there are so many midfield players within the, the Liverpool Academy system. Obviously, a lot of them, those attacking midfield players that we mentioned, played in the FA Youth Cup. So it goes to show, actually, how talented he is as a young player, how promising he is. They get, a, gets those numbers and B, picked out for recognition ahead of what is easier to be seen on the eye, the attacking players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's loads and loads of central midfielders, isn't there? I mean, there's, there's loads that have kind of followed the 
the same sort of path as what Trent Alexander-Arnold did have been turned into to fullbacks. You think of Adam Lewis two or three years ago has done that. James Norris at the moment has kind of done that. He was a midfielder who's moved back. There's been loads of examples of that. But I think when you've got so much competition, that probably helps the likes of Kane and, and Clarkson. They've sort of set the, the mould over the last couple of years. Tyler Morton's obviously now trying to, to take that next step the same way that they are. But yeah, to, to sort of be at, at the top of that crop when there's so many of them who are all really, really good players, to sort of step up, be the one to, to take that forward. I think, you know, we have to mention James Balagizi in this conversation as well. He's another one who's a very similar age, got very, you know, very good quick feet, good good on the ball, can keep it, can win it back, really, really strong. But he just doesn't get the same numbers that Tyler Morton has. And I think if you're trying to, to take that step from the 23s to the first team, which obviously all of these players will do at some point, or certainly hope to, I think if you can be getting the, the 10 goals, the seven assists, if you can have that as well as everything else, that's something that can set you apart. So I think at the moment, yeah, he's certainly the, the main man for, for me in terms of, of midfielders. Obviously, you know, Clarkson and, and Kane have kind of stepped up and we almost don't count them as academy players anymore, even though they have been playing for the 23s. But I think, yeah, certainly for, for Tyler Morton, there's, there's a huge opportunity there because he's just got a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, on to the forwards then. We are obviously, as you said, going to do under-18s and under-23s player of the year, of which we've chosen different players. So it's not sort of the same player that we're, we're constantly talking about. But the forward that we've gone for missed the last couple of months of the season. And I know watching the FA Youth Cup final, they, they were talking on commentary and Steve McManaman, who, of course, does get involved with helping with doing some of the co- uh, coaching at academy level, was basically saying that if this guy was fit, maybe it could have been a very different story. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point, to be honest. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of Max Waltman. I think he's really stepped up. I think he scored something like 10 goals in his last nine games to finish the season. Really sort of put down a, a marker in terms of his ability. But yeah, in terms of, of pure goal scoring, pure sort of putting the ball in the back of the net, being clinical, there's nobody better than Leighton Stewart, to be honest. And He's missed the last couple of months. There's a good chance that he'll miss the rest of this calendar year with this big, serious injury that he's got. But in the games that he did play this season, 17 goals and one assist in 18 games. That's across under-18s and under-23s. Again, it's just those numbers. You can't really argue with them. I mean, it, it's it's just a massive shame. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Paul Glatz. I know we've said this before, but... You know, Powell's been really unlucky, really highly rated, could still make it at, at Liverpool, but just had injuries at the wrong time. And I think, you know, for, for Leighton, having just stepped up to the 23s, he kind of maybe not struggled for the first couple of games, but took his time to adapt just as he was starting to, to show that he was ready to, to be at that level, to start to score goals. It was at that point that the injury came. And I think that's a, a huge shame for him, really. It's a real disappointment and, and hopefully he can come back second half of next season, not have any more troubles and and hopefully going into the season after that, that can be the time for him to, to really step up. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, under 18s player of the year. I think if we'd chosen anyone other than this, the comments, the uh, fan mail, should I say, that we would get would have gone there. Yeah, absolutely berserk. He's the guy who whenever we write or talk about him, everybody's very, very interested indeed. Who is it, Matt? Yeah, I'm sure people will have already guessed it. It's Matthias Musielowski. Again, a name that I think we're going to get used to, to saying 
uh, over the next, well, I mean, we already have, haven't we, this season, yeah. but certainly over the next few months, we're going to get used to, to saying it even more. I mean, again, we've said it before, but to move countries at the age of 17, to settle in immediately as he has in a, a place that he'd never been to before, he'd you know visited a couple of times, but not really been over here, to, to move over, move in with a, a different family, a completely different setup in terms of his education and, and all of these sorts of things, to do that, but also to, to fit in straight away with the way that the team has played. 12 goals, three assists across 25 appearances this season. Really good numbers in terms of his first season. You'd expect those to jump up again next season, I would imagine. So, yeah, to, to do that, to show the flexibility to play left, right, through the middle, the first few times I saw him, he was playing more of a, a false nine position. Obviously, Max Boltman plays that now, and, and he sort of switched wide. There was the impact of Leighton Stewart. They tried to, to sort of move him over onto the left to sort of see what he was like on that side, and Musialovsky was then through the middle. But, you know, wherever he's played, he's just been really, really impressive. And I think it was uh, a goal was it against Newcastle a few weeks ago that he sort of dribbled from just behind the halfway line, went past a few players and, and put one in. I mean, that is basically Musialovsky in a nutshell. He'll just take the ball, dribble and dribble and dribble, and either he'll lose it or he'll score a goal. It's it's one or the other. And yeah, thankfully for Liverpool, it's been one of those sort of success stories, I think. We said it before, it, it would be a massive shame if players like Musialovsky couldn't move to Liverpool in the future. But certainly the fact that they got that done last summer, I think there'll be a, a lot of, of relief at Liverpool. Yeah, definitely interesting to to sort of see how long it maybe does take him to keep climbing up the the age groups and show what he's about. But you'd imagine next season he'd get a fair crack at some under-23s football as well, albeit, as you say, still very, very young. Under-23s, then, who are we we picking for that group? Because there's a few you can choose. There's a few who've been playing in the first team. Clarkson, Kane, dare I even say Reese williams as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those. Again, there's there's loads of candidates. In the end, I went for Leighton Clarkson. It was kind of a, a toss-up, I think, between Clarkson and Kane, more because, you know, I know Reese Williams has obviously uh, been with the first team, but I don't think he's played a single game all season for the 23. So he's kind of mainly been with the, the first team. I kind of didn't really count him. But uh, yeah, Clarkson, Kane, um, not really too much between them. Leighton Clarkson just edges that he was the one that got his Champions League debut for, for Liverpool in what would have been December time, the, the last game of the group stage for, for Michelin in Denmark. So, yeah, both of them not played as much academy football this season as what they have done in previous seasons. Obviously, they've been with the first team, they've been training there, they've been on the bench at times, both played at times this season as well. And I think they, they both sort of, again, over the last 12 months, kind of kicked on again at the same sort of rate. It's always been quite hard to, to differentiate between them. I mean, Kane is more of a number eight, Clarkson more of a, a number six. But apart from that, they're two very similar players, very good mates between them as well. And it's going to be interesting to see probably which one of them you wouldn't imagine. Both of them would both long-term be at Liverpool, but certainly there's there's an opportunity for one of them. And I'd be surprised if at least one, if not both of them, went out on loan next season. I mean, what, what level would that be? I'm not 100% sure. I think that the championship... Could be an option, certainly League One. You'd fancy both of them to be able to, to step into to that quite comfortably. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, a big summer for both of them. Shout out to Jake Kane, but I think uh, Leighton Clarkson for me just about edges it this season. 
Yeah, as you say, yeah, the two of them, by the end of the calendar year, will be 20 as well. So, as you say, maybe the opportunity to go out and get some senior football, whether it be from the from the off in terms of the summer or whether it even be in the January window, get themselves some moving. Some senior first-team football would certainly help with their development. Right, before we go then, our one to watch. Now, this really sort of looking as to what they've done so far this season, but also what they could go on and do at academy level next year. And Matt, who have you gone for? Yeah, I've gone for, for Kai Gordon. Um, there's a lot of players that I'm really, really excited about at the moment in the academy. Musielowski is one of them, definitely. He could have been one to watch going into next season. Obviously, he is one to watch. But for me, Kai Gordon just sort of edges it. He's slightly younger. Um, he's one of those that has played a little bit like Harvey Elliott, played at, at first team level, but come to Liverpool and obviously gone into the academy to begin with. But I think next season, even though he'll only turn 17 next season, I think he's one that will definitely be um, sort of in that 23s group pretty much every week. Certainly by the second half of, of next season, you'd imagine he will have stepped up. I'm sure he's one that's going to be training with the first team because, again, you know, we're saying similar thought, sort of things about Harvey Elliott a couple of seasons ago. You just forget how young he is. You know, the fact that he was playing, I think he made his first team debut for, for Derby at 15, played with Wayne Rooney and, and those sorts of players at, at Derby. Wayne Rooney's a huge fan of him, rightly so. And he's just a hugely exciting prospect. Again, he gets the numbers, but his dribbling is really good, really creative, knows when to pass and just looks like a senior player who stepped down rather than a younger yeah. player who stepped up, which, I mean, in terms of a compliment for an academy player, I'm not sure you can get much bigger than that. I was going to say, he's technically not even allowed to be a professional footballer until October when he turns 17. And he can, obviously, all of that's already sort of done and dusted. But yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Um, as you said, that he only turns 17 in October. Well, that's it from us here then on this edition of the Academy Show. Thanks for joining myself, Guy Clark and Matt Addison. Do make sure that you check out the Blood Red newsletter. The link is as ever in the description. But hear from us on Blood Red. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.